Well, I want to welcome you here, especially those of you that are visiting with us for the first time, and I want to welcome all of you over in the, the venue. Thank you, Jared and Ben, for leading worship over there and the team. I also know we have a lot of people that listen online and listen on the radio and all of that, and I just welcome you to, um, to our gathering here. And if you are visiting with us uh, for the very first time, uh, we know that in this 21st century, a lot of you maybe have never even been in church before. And um, it can be a scary thing. You can be nervous. All of us in this room, we all have one thing in common. There was a time when we went to church for the very first time. And so we understand that it can be a little nerve-wracking and all that. And we just want you to relax and Take a deep breath, and, and uh, I'm just going to spend some time in God's Word here. All the verses uh, will be in your program. They'll be on the Jumbotrons, or if you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. Now, for those of you that are, you know, you're part of the family here, um, we're going to end uh, our time here by, by singing a couple of great songs, and we're going to end by... Um, by receiving our, our offering. So some of you are going, oh man, did, did he forget about the offering? No, no, we didn't forget about the offering. Um, but before I get into this, I, I do want to just share with you something here real quick. Uh, I want to reiterate some of the stuff that Bobby talked about. Uh, next weekend, we're just doing something really special. And we want you to be a part of it. And if you're one of our uh, senior adults, um, and you're worried a little bit about parking, where do I park, how far am I going to have to walk to get into the stadium and all that, all you have to do is just go out to our information center, pick up one of these cards right here, and I'll show it to one of the parking attendants out there, and we're going to have parking right up near the entrance for you. You won't have to climb any stairs to get into the bleachers. We'll have a, a special section for you right on the ball field so that you can sit. We want to honor those of you that... You know, maybe you have a special need or you're, you're one of our senior adults. And so take advantage of that. And then it's important that you pick up those, um, those vouchers. And I think we sold a couple thousand of them. We don't have that many left. And so you need to make sure you pick them up so that afterwards we can have a great time. I'm looking forward to eternal praise. They're going to kind of kick us off at 9 o'clock. We'll have all kinds of jumpers out there for the kids. At 10 o'clock, our gathering will start. And then at 11.30, we'll go grab some food and hang out together and, and be together. And we want you all to be there, okay? So make sure you, you, you take advantage of that. Well, we've been in a, a series here at Big Valley Grace called Unlikely People, where we've been looking at the lives of some of our Old Testament brothers. And more than just looking at their lives, we've been trying to see if there's anything we can apply to our own lives and uh, because of modern technology, emails, texting, our altar room and all of that, wow, we know that the Lord has been working in your lives. I want you to know that more than any one of you, God has really worked in my own personal life. There's been much that I have learned from some of our brothers' uh, lives that we've looked at. And um, today, we're, we're going to end the, the, the series and we're going to end it in a great way, like I said, with some singing and an offering and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we're, we're going to end it by looking at a guy's life. His, his name was, was Jabez. We're really going to look at his prayer. And the, there are only two verses, really, in the whole Bible about this man. And we're going to look at both of them here in just a moment. But before I, I read them, I need to set it up a little bit. If you were to read the first nine chapters of First Chronicles, okay, if you were to Turn there and you would look at all nine of those chapters. 
Literally, there's over 600 names that are mentioned. And it's usually just rapid fire, a name, a name, a name, a name. <gasps> Next verse, a name, a name, a name, a name, a name. <gasps> a name, a name, a name, a name, a name, a name. And literally for nine chapters, there are just all of these names. It's literally a, a, a genealogy, if you will, of all of these people's lives, families' lives. But right smack dab in the middle of it all, in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, we, we run into this guy named Jabez. And it's almost like Jabez is a huge um, redwood tree in a forest of bonsais. Isn't that a great image? That's Jabez in the midst of First Chronicles, these first nine chapters. There's just name, 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 name. And then you get into the middle of it, and, and somehow Jabez got God's attention. And there are two verses about Jabez. And that's what I want us to, to, to look at. That, that's kind of what I want to deal with is, why did Jabez get these two verses? What made Jabez so special? What made him so unusual that God singled him out? Why did, you know, Jabez catch the attention of, of, of God? Well, let me give you two reasons real quick. Number one, God singled out Jabez because he prayed. He prayed. Beloved, prayer matters to God. When you pray, it always gets the attention of God, always. God singled out and honored Jabez, not because he was the most educated man, not because he had special abilities, not because he was wealthy and he gave a lot of money to the church or whatever, not because of his genetics, you know, he, he had the, the, the right last name or whatever. God singled out Jabez simply because he prayed. And I want you to understand something. This is just really critical. Praying is more important than education. Praying is more important than having, you know, special abilities or whatever. Praying is more important than having a lot of money. Praying is more important than genetics, you know, what, what your, your last name is kind of a deal. One of my favorite quotes of all times is by Samuel Chadwick. He said this, he said, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He cares nothing for prayerless work or prayerless study or prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, he mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. I don't think um, the devil trembles because you have a P and an H and a D after your name. Nothing wrong with that. I don't think it necessarily makes the devil tremble because you have some sort of special ability. I don't think it makes the devil tremble because, you know, you got a lot of money in your 401k or your 403b or whatever it is. I don't think it makes the devil tremble because you have the right last name. You have the, the right genetics, so to speak. What makes them tremble is when you pray. And as I read that this week, I thought to myself, you know, I want to make the devil tremble, and I want to make him tremble often. And how we do that is, is by praying, spending time with the Lord. 
Now, the second thing that singled uh, Jabez out was this, and you're going to need to write this one down, is God singled out Jabez because of what he prayed for. When you look at this simple prayer of Jabez, and we're going to read it in just a moment, it's just one verse, it's what he prayed for that really set him apart from everybody else. It's, it's what he prayed for that, that really grabbed the attention of, of God. Yes, Jabez prayed, and that gets God attention, but it's what he prayed for that I think is really critical. One preacher said Jabez was just a common man with an uncommon faith in God. And we see that uncommon faith in God or that belief in God in what he prayed for. So let's read these two verses. First Chronicles chapter four, okay? Look at verse nine. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. The word Jabez in the Hebrew simply means pain. It means misery or grief. That was his name. Hey, Payne, how are you? That, that literally was his name. Imagine that childhood. That must have been just brutal. Verse 10 says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. He prayed, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory let your hands be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his requests. I want you to underline those six words in your Bible or in your notes or whatever. And God granted his requests. If God granted Jabez's requests, it's probably safe to say that these were, these were good things. If God granted Jabez these requests, it's probably uh, safe to say that these were holy things, righteous things. These were things in accordance with God's will, right? Beloved, listen to me. It's safe to say that if you pray these things, that God will grant them in your life also. You see, I think the reason why God granted these, these requests was because they were holy things. They were righteous things. They were in accordance with God's will. And so it's safe to say that if you or I were to pray these things, that God would grant them in our own lives. So let's look at these requests. There are four of them, basically. Number one, Jabez asked God to bless his life. Jabez prayed, or he cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me. What does that mean? What does it mean when it says that Jabez asked God to bless his life? Well, I think it means a lot of things, but I think at its core, I think that Jabez was asking God to be the single source of his happiness. I think that's what he was saying right there. God, I want you to be the single source of my happiness. You, God. That's it. And the impressive thing about this request is this, is that Jabez doesn't tell God what that blessing should be. 
He doesn't give God a whole laundry list of things. Oh, God, bless my life. You know, I need a new house. It'd be great, God. That'll really make me happy. God, bless me with a car. God, would you, would you bless me with a better job? God, bless me with a raise. God, I'm really, you know, wanting a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Nothing wrong with asking God for a better job or for a raise or a better house or whatever. Good health, right? But the impressive thing about Jabez is he doesn't give God a laundry list of things. He just says, God, whatever it is, whatever it is, you, you choose, God. And when you pray like that, that gets God's attention. He'll always grant that request. You see, too often we come to God and we say, oh God, bless my life, and then we, we give him the list. And God is un under no obligation to do or give you whatever it is you think you need. He's not bound by that. I think God just digs it when we come and say, God, bless my life, whatever that is, whatever. Proverbs chapter 10 says this, the blessings of the Lord make a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. And that word rich there doesn't necessarily mean money. In other words, when God is the one who blesses you, when God's the source of your happiness, when God's the one who gives you whatever he thinks is best, there's a, a freedom that comes with it. There's a peace. There's a joy that comes with it. When God is the one who says, listen, I know you. I created you when you're inside your mama's womb. And, and you, you just are okay with whatever he chooses to bless your life with. I think Eugene Peterson, great, great theologian, said this, God's blessings make life rich, and nothing we can do can improve on that. And I believe J.J. Baz really got that. He had a great understanding of that. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, my purpose is to give them, you, a rich and satisfying life. And this is going to be our theme verse for the new series that we're going to do starting in two weeks. And I think we all want that, don't we? We all want to experience this rich and satisfying life that Jesus came to give us. The problem is, is this. The problem is, is that that rich and satisfying life just doesn't happen automatically, does it? In other words, just because you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life doesn't guarantee that you're going to experience God's blessings in your life or that you're going to experience this rich and satisfying life, which explains why so many Christians today are just so miserable. It's unbelievable to me to, 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 to think that you, you could have an understanding of your sin and how your sin had messed up your relationship with the Father and that there wasn't anything you could do to fix the, the problem. But God so loved you that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live this amazing life for you. And then he voluntarily goes to a cross and he dies this horrible death for you. They put him in a tomb and three days later he walks out of the tomb proving that he was who he said he was, the Son of God. And now he's ascended to the right hand of the Father and he's, he's interceding for you right now. 
And he says, "Wet, I want you to have a, a rich and satisfying life. Christians ought to be the, 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 the most joyful people. But too often, believers are just miserable. We, we don't experience that rich and satisfying life. And I think it's because we just are, are chasing after all of these other things that we think will bless our lives. I remember... Uh, years ago, my, my daughter had those little bubbles, you know, you stick the little thing in, it's got the little circle, and the bubbles would fly out. And I remember she would, she would run up and grab one of the bubbles, and then she'd run to me, Daddy, 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 Daddy! And then she'd go back and blow the, the bubbles, and she'd grab one, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy! <laughs> Christian, most of the time, you know what we're doing? We're just chasing after bubbles. Oh, I gotta have that! Ooh, ooh! And there comes a moment where you open your hand and you go, man, I got nothing. I thought that was the thing, you know, that was gonna give me great joy and blessings and happiness. And now you've spent weeks or months or years and in some cases decades chasing after something you thought was gonna bring you great joy and blessing. And you opened your hand at some moment, you went, where's my family? What happened to my kids? What happened to my life? I think Jabez really understood something. God, I don't want to chase after bubbles. I don't, I don't want to chase after bubbles. I just want you to be the one who blesses my life. So what does it take? What does it take to have a rich and satisfying life? What does it take to, to experience God's blessing in your life? Well, I think it starts by just praying for it. By simply saying, God, I want you to be the one who would bless my life. Just that, no, no laundry list of things, just would you bless my life? And that's what I want us to do right now. Whether you're here or over in the venue, I'm gonna give you a second to get on your knees or whatever it is you wanna do and just, we're gonna have a quiet in here and I want you to just say, God, would you bless my life? Maybe you'd pray for your spouse. God, would you bless my spouse's life? Maybe you might wanna, you know, ask God to bless your kids' lives, your grandkids' life. Those of you that are kids here, maybe you might wanna pray, God, would you bless mommy's life, daddy's life, grandpa's life? Maybe you might pray that God would bless your sister's life or your brother's life. Maybe somebody in your small group, maybe somebody in your men's small group or women's small group or whatever it might be. I just want you right now, if you want to get on your knees, get on your knees. I just want it quiet over in the venue and in a moment one of our elders is going to come and wrap up, up this time. This is your time to literally do what Jabez did here and just ask God to bless your life, family's life, whoever it is. Just spend some time with the Lord right now.
praise God from whom all blessings flow. There have been hundreds of prayers, Lord. Each prayer from each person here, unique and different as they are. Prayer blessing that they have requested. Gone to the ears of a God who loves to bless his people. And right now, Father, I believe that you are handcrafting a response to that prayer. That the blessing that you choose to send back into their life might cause them to be refreshed and renewed in the abundant life that Jesus Christ offers. Father, whether we are a child or mature in the faith, we need your blessing. I ask that, Lord, for each person here, that it would return glory and honor and praise back to your life. And Lord, we pray this through the name of the one who is the source and the supply of all of our blessings, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. As you can see, this is going to be a, a tool, this little outline in your program that I think you could use this week, next week, next month, this year, next year. This is going to be a great guidepost for all of us to, to, to maybe use in our, in our lives. Well, the second thing that Jabez asked God to do was God would, he asked God to give him greater influence in his life. He says, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Some of your Bibles say, and, and enlarge my influence. And the idea here is, is, he's asking God, God, would you extend my, my tent pegs, so to speak. Now, this isn't a, a prayer for more real estate. Jabez wasn't, you know, trying to be the, the Donald Trump of his day. It's a prayer for greater influence. That's what he's praying for. It's a, a prayer for greater opportunities. It's a prayer for greater responsibilities. Now remember, we know that God answered this prayer. So we know that Jabez's motive was, was pure. In other words, he wasn't asking for more land or whatever so that he could somehow use it for his own personal gain. He prayed for more land because he wanted to, to have a greater impact on the kingdom. He, he wanted to make God's name more, more famous. And when you pray like that, let me tell you, it gets God's attention. God perks his ear up when you say, look, God, would you give me more influence that somehow I could make a greater impact on the, on the kingdom? You see, God sees this, though, and he knows whether, you know, uh, you, you, you just want more influence, you want more whatever, simply so you can spend it on yourself. Jabez is simply saying, God, I, I just, I just want to make your name more famous. I want to be a, a greater influence on the, on the kingdom. Now, I was struck with how ambitious Jabez was. I mean, he wasn't afraid to ask God for something big, way big. It's almost as if he thought he was born or created for something greater than he was experiencing. He had what some theologians call a, a holy uncontentment. Yes, God, I'm having an influence for you, but I, I want to have a greater influence for you. 
Ephesians chapter three says this, with God's power working in us. When, 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 when God's power is in us and the day you receive Jesus Christ as your savior, the Bible says God imparted his Holy Spirit in your life. With God's power working in us, God can do much more than anything we can ask or imagine. I think one of the problems in the church today is we have little dinky dreams. Little dinky things. I think in a lot of your families you have these little dinky dreams. And this verse right here is just unbelievable. It's, it, it's as if God is, is challenging you. Look, I, I got an incredible imagination. I, I can dream some pretty big dreams. I can imagine some pretty big things. I, I've got a vivid imagination. But I sense as if God is saying, countrymen, I want you to think or dream about the greatest way I could use you for my kingdom, and whatever you come up with, I guarantee you that I can top it because I can do things that you can't even imagine. God reminded me of the Red Sea this past week. God reminded me of the walls of Jericho God reminded me of all these incredible miracles that you find in Scripture. And you know what? God's not done doing incredible miracles today. I think Jabez understood just how great God was, and he was thinking to himself, listen, I'm glad I have the influence I have, but God, give me more, that I could be a greater blessing for you, that I could make your name even more famous Beloved, you, you can't out-ask or out-dream God. You can't do it. It's impossible. I had a man say this to me a few days ago. He said, Rick, the greatest limitation on your life is what you really believe God can do through you. And when he said it, I went, whoa, hold on. I went and grabbed a pen real quick. And I said, say that again. Rick, the greatest limitation on your life is what you really believe God can do through you. Paul reminds us, God reminds us through the great apostle Paul with God's power in you. Whoa. With God working through your one life, there are things he can do that you can't even imagine. I think Jabez got that. Now, there's an important biblical principle that I, that I need you to understand and I need to point out, okay? In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a, a story, a parable really, about three different servants, and he makes this statement about, about two of them. In Matthew 25, the master answered, you did well. You are a good and loyal servant. Because you were loyal with small things, I will let you care for much greater things. In other words, if you're not faithful in little things, God's not gonna give you more. If you're not faithful with the little influence God has given you, he's not gonna give you more. 
So it's super important that you're faithful with what you have right now. The reason some of you aren't being used in greater ways for God's kingdom is that you haven't been faithful with the little things that God's given you now. I'm often asked, you know, somebody will come to me and say, hey, you know, I had this, you know, I heard this message or I had this dream and I was wondering, you know, I put a message together, would you ever let me, would you ever let me preach it? And I'll always ask, well, let me ask you, are you working with our children? Have you ever taught a little children's lesson? Well, no. Are you working with our teenagers? Are you mentoring any children over there? Well, 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 no. Hey, have you ever walked a parking lot or have you ever been a greeter? Well, no. So basically, you haven't been faithful in little things. Why would I put you up here? You see, everybody wants these grandiose things. And there's this biblical principle that says you gotta be faithful in little things. That, that's where it begins. And God put his Holy Spirit inside of you. You, you, you have a little influence. The issue is, is are you using it? Jesus said, I want you to live your lives in such a way that people see your good deeds, that people see your love for God, and those things will bring honor to God. The question is, are you using that influence right now for his glory? Because if you're not, God's not going to give you more influence. He wants you to use your one life right now in little ways to bring glory to him. In just a moment, we're, we're, we're going to pray again, and we're going to ask God to give us more influence. Or maybe we're just going to repent and say, God, I'm sorry that I haven't used the influence that you've given me in a very good way. I had a man come up to me last night who said, you know what, when we got here, I, I just repented of my sin. I'm a Christian, but no one would know it. I haven't been using what little influence I had in a good way. And you know what? <laughs> That was a win for the kingdom last night. That one more person would go out and say, you know what, no more. I'm not, I'm not using my influence in a crummy way anymore. I'm gonna start using it to the glory of God. And so in your note sheet, I want you to do this. There's a little word there. I know some of you go, I don't look at notes. I don't ever look at those things. I look at the thing, it won't hurt you, it won't kill you. Just turn and look at that little thing right there. The ink isn't gonna get into your skin and give you poisoning or anything like that. Just look at that little thing. It says one person. You see it there? I want you to think of one person right now that you're going to pray for that you would have greater influence in their life. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe, maybe it's your children. God, help me to have greater influence in their life. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's your brother or sister. Maybe you're a public school teacher. I went to Fremont Elementary School and maybe you have a class of third graders and your prayer will be, God, would you give me greater influence in that classroom? Maybe you're a high school math teacher and your prayer will be, God, could I have a little bit more influence in my students' lives? Maybe you teach a Sunday school right over here with a, a group of you know, six-year-olds. Maybe your prayer would be, God, could I have a little bit more influence in that class's life? Maybe you mentor a teenager here on campus. Maybe your prayer would be, God, would you help me have a little bit more influence in those boys' lives or those girls' lives? Maybe you own a business. Maybe your prayer would be, God, help me have a little bit more influence in my employees, whether it's one or two or 10 or 100. 
Maybe you're an employee. Maybe your prayer would be, God, could I just have a little bit more influence in my boss's life or those people that I work with's lives? I want you to think right now, who's, who's the one person? Who's it going to be? For some, it'll just be, God, I repent of my sin. I have not been faithful with, with, with the little things. And so over in the venue in here right now, if you want to get back on your knees, get on your knees, close your eyes. I don't care what position you're in, but I just want you to pray right now this prayer of Jabez. You're going to ask God to give you a little bit more influence right now. Just do it. And then in just a moment, one of our elders, Pat Chavez, is, is, is going to come and, and pray. Father, I pray that you would just uh, bless your people with influence. Father, that you would bless them with faithfulness in the little things, as Pastor Rick has said. Faithful with loving you and reading your word and faithful in obedience to you. Your word says that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much, which tells me that if we're obedient to you, Father, we have influence with you when we pray. Father, that you would... Uh, give your people here in this congregation a love for their neighbors and for the people that they come in contact with, a love for each other, Lord, a love for their family. Father, that through that love, they would have influence in the family members, Lord, and, and in their neighbors. People respond to love. We have responded to your love. So, Father, as you bless us with influence and the responsibility that comes with influence Lord let it be a stream from from you to the people around us father father we're going to trust you for what you're going to do in our lives and what you're going to do through the influence uh, that you give us Lord in Jesus name amen thanks brother so Jabez asked God to bless his life and then he says, Lord, give me greater influence. And that's something that God wants from all of us is that we would be greater influencers. Jesus called us salt. We're to be salt in this world. The world's decaying. And he says, you're the salt, Christian. You're to somehow hold back the decay that's happening in our world. D don't be a part of the decay. Influence it. Be salt. Request number three, Jabez asked God to guide his life. Oh, that you would bless me, he says, enlarge my territory. And then he says, let your hand be with me. 
I want you to underline or circle those two words with me. Jabez says, God, I want you to be with me. I want your presence in my life. I I want you to, to guide my life. Now, why is this important? It's important because Jabez believed. He really believed that God was going to give him greater influence. He believed that God was going to give him more responsibility, which meant that he needed God's guidance in a greater way in in his life. In Exodus chapter 33, there's this wonderful exchange between God and Moses. And it says this in verse 12, one day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. Verse 14 says, then the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. And I love verse 15. Then Moses says, well, if you don't go personally, if you don't personally go with us, then then don't make us leave this place. In other words, look, God, if you're not going to guide us, then then I don't want to even go on the mission. I don't want any part of this if you're not going with us. And that was the attitude, I think, of Jabez. I think he really believed that God was going to give him greater influence. And so now he's saying, God, look, I need you to really, really guide my life. And let me ask you a question. Some of you, I know, I know there are, there's always a number who just, you're thinking about how to fix your carburetor or what you're going to eat for lunch. And when we gave you that little quiet time, you know, you're, you're really not praying. But I know the overwhelming majority of you, of you are. You just prayed and asked God to give you greater influence, right? Well, do you believe? Really believe that God's going to give you greater influence? Do you really believe that God is, is, is going to somehow, you know, take your one life and use it in greater ways for the kingdom? Do you really believe that? Well, if the answer is yes, then, then you need his guidance more than ever. You see, some of you, 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 you prayed it, you said some words, but you don't really believe it. You don't believe it. But some of you do. You really believe that God is going to give you greater influence, whatever that might look like. You believe it. And so this prayer is important because you need God to, to guide you in, in, in greater ways. I, I, when I first gave my life to the Lord a little over 30 years ago here at Big Valley Grace, um, I had read about these men in the Old Testament. They were called God's mighty men. And I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know anything. All I knew was, God, I want to be one of those guys. I want to be one of your mighty men. And there came a moment when I began to kind of just help out with our children's ministry. We weren't here at this church. And I'm a helper and with little kids, you know, bringing out little, you know, napkins or the little chips or whatever they ate. And I just sit in the corner and goof off, you know. And then at some moment, I started working with junior hires, you know, and you know, 
Then before you know, I was working with the high school kids. And then before you know it, I was a, a part-time youth guy here. And then, and then I was a full-time youth guy here. And if you, if you fast forward the tape, here I am today. Now listen to me. When I was working with the children 30 years ago, I needed God's guidance in my life. No doubt about it. And when I started mentoring teenage boys, I needed God's guidance in my life in a greater way. And then when I became the youth pastor, man, let me tell you something, I needed God's guidance in my life. You think I need God's guidance in my life today? Yeah. In far greater ways than even when I was working with children, you see. You see, we all need God's guidance. It doesn't matter whether you're walking a parking lot or you're ushering here or you're playing in the band or you're singing or you're in the choir. We, we all need God's guidance through our lives. But let me tell you something. As God gives you more and more influence, wow, you really need God's guidance in greater and, 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 and different ways. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, I want you to go and make disciples of the people in your neighborhood. No. You see, reaching the people in your neighborhood is a dinky dream. Jesus gave these guys a dream that they couldn't even comprehend. You want us to do what? I want you to go reach the world. World? Is he nuts? No, because when God is in your life, you, you, you can't outdream him. You can't outdream God. And right out of the gate, God says to these guys, I'm going to give you a dream. And it's not a dinky dream. It's not a little tiny dream. It's a humongous dream. Go reach the world. Whatever it is you know about the world. He says, I, I want you to baptize these people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'll be with you. I'll guide you. Because this is so big, you can't do it on your own. This is so enormous, you couldn't even dream about how to pull this thing off. But I'll be with you. I'll guide you every step of the way. And we all need that, don't we? Now, this is what I, I want us to do. I want to give you a chance to, to pray this prayer. You've asked God to bless your life. You've asked God to bless your family, your spouse, your kids, whoever it might be. You've asked God to give you more influence that you might be able to make his name even that much more famous. Now, I want you to go ahead and get on your knees or whatever it is you want to do, and I want you to just say, God, I need you to guide my life. Would you guide my spouse? Would you guide my kids? Would you guide my parents? Would you guide my boss? Would you guide my employees? Whatever it is, I, I don't know how you're going to pray, but right now is a time for you over in the venue and in here just to pray for God's guidance in your life. And in just a moment, Dale Skiles, one of our elders, will come and, and pray.
And Father, uh, we come before you again. Last night and this morning, there have been thousands and thousands of prayers lifted up. Father, just a, a brief way that you guide this church is through your spirit and dwelling within Rick and bringing this message forward and the story of Jabez. Lord, in your word, uh, I'm reminded of how you led your people by a pillar of of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Your scripture goes on to say that there was never a time when the cloud or the fire left position in front of those people. What a promise. God, you are the God that we, that we know that has the power to guide and give us the guidance. You also say in your word, Lord, is when we were senseless and when we were ignorant, you stretched out your hand and you promised to guide us with counsel. And what a great word picture, how you stretched out your hand for each one of us. For all of us collectively as a church, you stretched out your hand. And Father, it takes each one of us to reach up, grab hold of your hand, and allow us to guide. May we be those people, mm -hmm. those people that yeah. just walk in your steps. Father, may we be a people that look to the one who guides that recognizes the one who guides and reaches to the one who offers guidance. And to repeat in, again, just a verse from your word, the word of God. It says, in you, Lord, I trust to show me, to teach me, and to guide me. Thank you, Lord, for being our God. Yeah. Pray this in Christ's name, amen. Amen, thanks, brother. Okay, I'm going to fly through this last one here because I want us to end with some great singing. Last night was just unbelievable. Last hour was unbelievable. We've asked the Lord to bless our lives. We've followed Jabez's uh, example to us, and we've asked uh, him, asked God to give us greater influence. We've asked him to guide our lives, and now we get, get to this last one, and this one's critical, and that is this, Jabez asked God to protect his life. He says, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, let your hands be with me, and then he says, and keep me from harm. Keep me from harm. Beloved, listen, the bigger you get, the more influence God gives you, the more critics you're gonna have. The more, the more uh, influence God gives you for his kingdom, the larger the target on your back's going to become. Look, if you don't want to have any troubles in life, you know what? You, you, you won't, don't, don't pray this prayer of Jabez. Because... The devil and the demons are not going to allow God to give you greater influence that you might make the name of God even more famous than it is now, and they're just going to sit around and do nothing about it. Look, you, you went to bed last night, and you went into La La Land, and there you were. You were, you were sleeping. The demons didn't go to bed last night. They were up all night just trying to figure out how in the world can I make sure you don't have any more influence? Or whatever influence you do have, how can I make sure I, I, I minimize it? See, the, the demons can't do anything about your salvation. You're saved, you're going to heaven. If, if you received Christ into your life and it was a genuine deal, 
you're going, you're going to heaven. So what the devil does, what the demons do is go, okay, listen, I don't want God's people to have any influence. I don't want them to be light. I don't want them to be salt. So let's see if we can do everything we can to minimize their influence. And he's pretty good at it. He's got his PhD in pulling that off, doesn't he? I think Jabez got it. I think he knew God was going to give him greater influence. I think he knew God was going to guide him into these new moments where he was going to be able to do greater things for God. And so he knew, I need God's protection more than ever. Our brother Peter said this in chapter 5 of 1 Peter. He said, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And let me tell you how you stand firm against the enemy. You stand firm when you pray. When you say, God, would you protect my life? Would you watch over my wife? Would you watch over my children? Would you watch over my husband? Would you watch over my parents? Would you watch over my brother, my sister? Would you watch over my friends in my small group, the men in my small group, the women in my small group? Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Some of your Bibles say schemes. And that's a good word, isn't it? The, the, the enemy has all kinds of little strategies, all kinds of little schemes to try to mess up the influence that God wants you to have. And, and how we stand against it is when we pray and we say, oh, God, protect us. God, help me. Bless my life. Give me greater influence. Guide me, Lord, because I know the devil has all these little landmines out there. God, protect me, God. Psalms 127 says, if the Lord doesn't guard the city, the guards are watching for nothing. And the thought there is this, I'll put it in a modern day context. You can have a great alarm system in your home and you can make sure your doors are all locked at night and your windows are all shut. You can make sure you got the big German shepherd in there ready to rip some guy's leg off or whatever. But here's the deal. The police will tell you those kinds of homes get broken into all the time. Nothing wrong with having a great alarm system. Nothing wrong with locking your doors. But don't think that those things keep the bad guys out. And what the, what the psalmist is saying is this. Listen, nothing wrong with having watchmen in all the towers. Nothing wrong with that. But here's the bottom line. Unless the Lord is watching over the city, unless the Lord is watching over your home, unless the Lord is watching over your life, your family's life, listen, wow, we're, we're, you're in trouble. And that's, that's the deal that we have to kind of wrestle around with here in this last prayer is that we would say to God, God, please protect me. Please protect my life from the schemes of the evil one. Please protect my life from those that would want to cause me harm. And so this is what I would like for us to do. I want you just to get onto your knees again over in the venue or whatever it is you want to do, and I just want you to pray protection upon your life, upon your spouse's life, your kid's life, 
Some of you, I'll bet, have never prayed this way for your family, for your kids, for the employees, your employer, your grandpa. Some of you kids have never prayed that God would protect your grandpa or your parents or your brother or sister. Just enjoy a moment asking God to protect you. We're just following the prayer of Jabez here, okay? And then in a moment, Gordon Lucas, one of our elders, is going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Almighty God, my prayers for protection. The demons work 24-7 to mess us up, but our help comes from you, Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I thank you for being in control of everything. Lord, please protect your church here. Please protect the people here, both physically and spiritually, or whatever way it's coming at them. Build a hedge of protection around us. Thank you for delivering us from the evil one. Thank you for answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, Gordon. Well, here's what I want everybody to do. Over in the venue, I want everybody to stand up. Everybody in here stand up, okay? Now, don't, don't go anywhere, okay? We, we, we want to end our time with just a great time of worship. We're ending this series. We're going to end it over there with some live music. And I'm going to ask our hosts and hostesses to come forward, and we're just going to receive our offering and just end with just some great rejoicing in the Lord. But I, I want us to say these four things out loud together here, okay? So here we go. Number one, I need to ask God to bless my life. Number two, I need to ask God to give me greater influence in my life. Number three, I need to ask God to guide my life. And number four, I need to ask God to protect my life. Father, thank you for your goodness. And as we worship you now through singing and through these giving of our gifts, may this just be a great way to end our time, our series, Lord. Thanks for your goodness, and I pray this in your name. Amen.